Hello and welcome to another episode of the First Incision, a CMF podcast, where we look at topics at the interface of faith and medicine that affect our Christian lives in today's world. I'm your host, Dr. James Howard, and I'm joined by Dr. Sunil Raheja. Sunil, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it's great to be here with you, James. Uh, so we are here at the fantastic CMF National Conference, uh, and Sunil is a, uh, is a consultant psychiatrist specialising in disabilities and also runs his own podcast entitled Making Sense of Life. So Sunil, how have you been finding CMF National Conference? It's been great, actually. It's, it's been a while since I've actually come for a whole weekend, and it's been great to reconnect with, um, with, well, with, with colleagues and friends from the past, to some, actually somebody I haven't actually seen for about 30 years. So it's been wonderful wow. to reconnect that way. Uh, as well as being fantastic teaching with Sinclair Ferguson and it's been brilliant food's great everything I mean I, the I, food is great everyone always <laughs> says the food at conference is well, great I thinking, why did I miss this out for so many years yeah. I, sh- I need to I should have brought my family before but anyway it's I'm, it's I'm having a great time thank you James good is this the first time you've been to the Yarnfield building for yes it? it's my first time here as well yeah no we're really we're really fortunate to be here at the center fine so we're talking about resilience and burnout today um so tell us first of all what is burnout can you define it for us yeah I mean burnout it's used as quite a sort of close term and people sort of brand it around a bit um, I think if you want to think of it in three main sort of categories first is sort of physical and emotional exhaustion uh, and that's a key thing this whole sense of you know I'm just washed out and tired out both physically and emotionally with, with, with life and with what's in front of me really uh, then I think really we need to think as well in terms of this sort of sense of being separate and detached from others around me and beginning to find myself getting cynical and negative and very critical uh, about life, about work, of, uh, about the environment that I'm in. And then in terms of my work, a sense I'm actually not, I'm just spinning my wheels. I'm being ineffective. I'm not really accomplishing very much. What's the point of it all? Where am I going? And this huge sense of emptiness. I mean, that's the sort of, those sort of three main areas really. Okay. And so uh, how prevalent is, is kind of, we're using burnout as a colloquialism, but how prevalent is this kind of factor in society? It's a great question. I think we're becoming more and more aware of it. I think people who are burnout don't put their hands up generally and say, I'm burnt out. They maybe sort of steer off and go and just sort of disappear in the distance, really. Is there a stigma behind being burnt I'm out? I'm sure there think? is, because we all want to, I mean, especially as medics and doctors, don't we? We really want to feel that we're effective, we're, we're accomplishing much. There's this sort of myth of the hero doctor who comes rushing in, rescuing people, you know, a bit like Superman, really, never bats an eyelid and says, oh, it's all in a day's job and gets on. But we're not, we're not like that. We're human beings. I mean, I like to say we're actually human beings, but we're not human doings. Mm. Uh, and we are human at the rest end of the day so yeah it's a beautiful myth isn't it that kind of doctor that sweeps in and sorts everything but it's uh, no one can be that person unfortunately no. so are there are there factors um, particularly within healthcare that you think make doctors yes. nurses more more susceptible to burnout well i think if you i think there are a lot of factors really i think if you think about it in terms of our identity that's one big area in the sense that you know we talk about there's this myth about them but i think we also as medics perpetuate that myth is maybe we've done very well academically to get into medical school. And so we've worked really hard and we know that if we work hard, we'll get there. Um, we have this sense of feeling that we're very clever and very bright. And so I can fix it and I sort it out myself. I don't need other people's help. But sooner or later, you're going to hit a, some kind of ceiling. And if you, if you haven't really sorted these issues out, you, you, you're going to hit it, basically. Um, so yeah, I think it's this, this sense of, of self-sufficiency, this sense of perfectionism a lot among medics as well, feeling that they've got to get everything done, tick all the, you know, dot all the I's, cross all the T's, get it all done. But in the world that we live, that's getting more complex, more challenging, 
you know, that's getting harder and harder to do. I mean, I just sort of reflect, I mean, I, I've been a consultant psychiatrist for, what was it, 18 years now. Uh, and when I started, well, when I started, when, when I started working, we had, when he had typewriters. Oh, gosh. And exactly. And if the secretary made a mistake, she took out the piece of paper and she tipexed it out and then typed over it again. Gosh. You know, mobile phones didn't exist. You know, email didn't exist. It was a completely different world. And in one sense, you could control it because there was only a finite amount of stuff you could do at a particular time. But now... Your work will never end. Mm. It's, it's 24-7. So do you think digital, digitization and the information age has, has made burnout worse? I think, it's, I think it's compounded it exponentially. You know, it's a bit like, I think, if you think about major surgery and minor surgery, mm-hmm. okay? Obviously, life in one sense was a lot easier, say, 50, 60 years ago. But that was all you knew. So if you think about major surgery and minor surgery... You know, if it's happening to you, it's all major surgery. Yeah. So if I'm having my ingrown toenail teeth dealt with, that is major surgery because it's my toenail. Absolutely, yeah. So it's, 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 you've got to be very careful about comparison, really. It is what it is. We are where we are. We can't turn the clock back. But we certainly got, you know, I, I like to say it's, it's never been a better time to be alive, but it's probably also never been a worse time to be alive in terms of challenges that we face. As, as clinicians, and obviously yourself as a background as a psychiatrist in particular, what should we be looking at to support those with burnout, either professionally or, or our colleagues, people that we might see in, in hospital who are having these kind of signs? I think the first thing is the awareness and realisation that, that this is a real issue. Um, again, you, know, you just talked earlier, didn't we, James, about saying about this, this myth of the invincible doctor who always knows everything and always gets it right and always knows what to do. Unfortunately, that's easier said than done because I think we need a culture change within medicine to realise actually that we are vulnerable, we are human beings, mm. we can't work 24-7. And in fact, that um, we, what well, the phrase is, you know, we're, we're knowledge workers, we're, we're not working, in, you know, a lot of stuff is things of people is, is in, in an industrial age mindset that they're producing widgets, but we work with our minds. Mm. And if we're working with an industrial age mindset, then that's very much about more effort, you produce more. Or, you know, if you're working in a field and you're ploughing, for example, agricultural age, you can see the effects of your work. Our work is in our heads, in our minds, in terms of thinking. So the more relaxed and rejuvenated we are, the more we can bring our best thinking to the challenges that we're facing. Okay. So, yeah, does that answer your question? Was it, I've lost track. Of what was no, that's fine. That's fine. So, I mean, yeah. So if, if so say I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working in hospital. I see that one of my junior colleagues is, mm. is, is really showing a lot of these burnout symptoms and, yeah. and really seems like they're not really struggling. How can I, how can I support them as yeah. a, as a fellow well, clinician and a yeah. Christian? Let's not be British about it. Let's actually try and actually take an interest in the person. Let's ask them, how's it going? You know, I see you're struggling. You know, ask those questions, you know, how's it going? Uh, and that awareness and create a safe space within which to say and actually it, it doesn't need a huge amount really I mean small I think what is one of the big things it's simple things like are you, are you getting enough sleep mm-hmm. are you eating properly are you taking time off are you looking are you not looking at your emails in the evenings and weekends are you making sure um, that you're connecting with uh, with friends and family are you doing things that rejuvenate you because I think when particularly as medics we're very good at giving 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 but if you take the analogy say of, of, of a bucket if you're, if you're just emptying the bucket all the time by, by if you were taking things out if nothing's being filled you are going to burn out you're going to you're, you're going to get exhausted and I think one of the great big myths that's there is that I can keep going I mean I used to think that you know, I can just keep going. And what I would find is I keep going, keep going, going, and then suddenly crash in exhaustion. Think, And then I came across this understanding that you've got to balance periods of activity with periods of rest. And if you can do that, you know, if you think of a sine wave, 
then if you, so long as you balance the periods of activity with periods of deep rest, you can keep going. But if you just keep going, 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 what's going to happen? That's when you go crash. And the problem I think we've got, particularly in our, you know, in our 21st century, is that in theory you could never switch off because there's always work to do. There's always another email to answer. There's always another patient to see. There's always another job that needs done. Um, and it, it's never-ending. And unfortunately, I think this whole issue about perfectionism among, among medics is if you don't seriously think about it, you'll just keep on, on that treadmill. And that's when these sense, this sense of detachment, cynicism, exhaustion, the sense of spinning your wheels, that's when it all starts to creep in. Mm-hmm. I, I think I can see that from my own life and also people around me, that idea of, of as you mentioned, identity earlier on. And our, so much of our identity as medics often comes as I can do everything. You know, yeah. there's, there's nothing that will stop me. And no matter how long my, my jobs list is, I will get them all ticked yeah. off. And, and, and people put us on a pedestal, don't they? They put, you know, oh, you're a doctor. Oh, that's amazing. You're a doctor. And then we, in a sense, we, it feels good. It feels good yeah, to my we ego. Love it. Yeah, of we course love you it. do. Yeah. And of course, yes, of course I'll do this. Of course I'll do that. Yeah. The problem is that then our identity becomes wrapped up in it. I, I've always going back to a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a doctor himself. Mm. And I just, it, it, it's, it's quite a profound saying. He basically said, on their deathbed, most doctors will have written on their tombstone, born a human being, died a doctor. Yeah. By which he was trying to say that that was their whole identity. They were just a doctor. And, you know, if you're a, you know, if, if you're a Christ follower, if you've got a, you're, we're so much more than that. Yeah. But even if you're not a Christ follower, you're, you're much more than a doctor. You're a human being. You know, maybe you've got a family, you've got hobbies, you've got other interests. Let's not just define ourselves by, by being a doctor. Because you'll actually be a better doctor if you're not, if you don't yeah, define if yourself. You're, if you're more than just a doctor. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Gosh. Um, okay, so I mean, obviously we talked a bit about the sine wave example, which I really like, and the periods of work and periods of rest. Are there, are there biblical lessons that we can learn, do you think, about, um, wow. about the cycles of work and rest and, and, and yes. how that kind of affects us? Yeah, so let's again, I, I think that this is really important really, because again, we live in a 24-7 culture where nothing switches off unless you switch off. If we go back to the book of Genesis, and I've always been struck by this, when God created the heavens and the earth and, and, and the creatures of the world, you just, you know, it, it, what, what is fascinating is it doesn't say it was morning and evening the first day and God created morning. It actually said it was evening and then morning and then the first day. And, it, and it's fascinating that God starts with, the day starts with the evening and with rest, which I think is a fantastic illustration of the gospel because activity is birthed out of rest. And if we can think about that, that actually I need to look at what I do, my service, it comes out of not my striving to try and prove myself, but it comes out of gratitude to, to the God who has created me and has given himself for me in Christ. Then everything I do is a response to what he has done. Yeah. That's, so we should look at our lives. As, you know, I can never outgive God. I can never outserve God. But what I do is, is in humble gratitude to what he's done for me. Of course, I make it, get it wrong. Of course, I mess up. But I'm living by grace, not by works. So, but the, the thing is, this is so deep-rooted into our psyche and our identity. I keep thinking, oh, God must be happier with me today because I've been a good boy and I've worked really hard and I've served these patients and I've done all these things. He must love me more. No, no, no. He doesn't love you anymore. But I'm doing this because I have a grateful joy for what he's done for me. That's why I'm doing it. And then that produces its own energy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I think one of the things I've I've always found has kept kept me really grounded is one of my um, one of my church leaders uh, says to me once he said that um, actually 
if you think the fact that everything that you're doing for God, God could probably do better by himself if you weren't involved. Oh, that's, that's, and I, that's very profound. And yeah. as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, and, and you can look at that in a way that, that can seem quite defeatist and almost to say, oh, well, what's the point of me doing anything then? But actually, I felt like for, for me, that almost gave me permission to be like, you know what, God, I'm going to hold the things that I think you're telling me to hold and trust that you'll give me grace for yeah. those things. And I don't need to hold all the rest of yeah. the stuff and that's okay. And it's okay that, that you will act out of my own my own failings and, and that doesn't threaten my own identity. Yes. And I think that, and the other important thing I think which you, which you said there, James, is that I'm actually working with God. I'm not working for God. Yeah. I'm working with God. You know, he says, you know, I call you friends. We're part, you know, he's our elder brother. Jesus is our elder brother. We're working together with him. We're not working. And I think it's important, you know, this is not an employer-employee relationship. Yeah. This is a father-son relationship, whether you're a male or female. You know, the son in terms of, we've been having the conference, haven't we? Sinclair yeah. Ferguson's been telling us. It's sons, whether you're male or female, because you have the full inheritance and the full rights, whether you're male or female. So we have an in wonderful inheritance. So let's live in the joy and confidence of that. Yeah, it's the body of Christ where, uh, where men are brides and women are sons. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So talking about all this stuff, how, how do we start to maybe then take some positive steps to try and avoid burnout in our own lives and maybe develop more of a resilient character? Okay, great question. Well, I think the first step is realizing that I'm a human being and I'm not a human doing. That's a, a really important thing. And so I need to make sure that I am living a fully integrated life. And what I mean by that, in the sense that my life is not just about my work, okay? I've got, you know, if, if, if I'm married with children, I've got a family. If I'm single, I've got relationships that, that I'm connected to. You know, I'm, I'm a son or a daughter, or I'm a brother or sister. I'm, I'm part of the wider church community. I've got hobbies and interests outside of my work area that, that I can fall back on to, re, as it were, recharge my batteries. But it's understanding myself. What are the things that fill me? What are the things that drain me? So that's, that's a really uh, important um, understanding there so understanding who I am and and, and the things that, that can really fill me um that, that's certainly a great place to start yeah okay um, and is there a place for a, a place specifically for rest and and how we take our rest within that again again rest I mean the, I did a whole podcast on sleep at one point and is that Sleep is, I mean, I'm... It's not fashionable, is it, sleep? It's not fashionable. I mean, people like to say, oh, I just sleep for three or four hours. And I mean, I'm a lot older now. I'm I'm in my 50s now. And I really struggle in terms of staying up late and things like that. But what I've also noticed is that the more rested I am, the more I'm able to give my best thinking to situations and challenges. And that's an really important principle to grasp, I think, because we tend to think that if I just keep plowing on, plowing on, then I'll sort things out. But no... The more, you know, it's, you've had the experience, you know, you're on holiday or you're in the shower and suddenly the answer to a problem that was bugging you maybe the previous week or when you were at work, it suddenly drops in, 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 into your mind. Oh, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to do maybe for that patient or maybe that's, what I, that's how we would solve this problem at work. And you weren't even thinking about it because you were rested. Your subconscious mind was in the background working on it. And because you were relaxed, it could bring it to your conscious awareness. Uh-huh. What about uh, what about overcommitment with things? How do we how do we graciously either avoid overcommitment or, or deal if we are currently in a place of, of having overcommitted ourselves? Yes, I mean, there's again, I suppose this is the key thing: is that there is no easy, quick solution to this. And again, I just need to preface by saying we are conditioned to think that we can just fix something with a, just give me a solution and let me go on with my life. Now that might work for the simplest of things. You know, if you want to look up look up something on a YouTube video or you know, or just get a quick, quick answer. But when we're talking about 
as it were, restructuring your life to prevent burnout and to begin to flourish and thrive and have resilience. This is a day-by-day journey with God that you've got to undertake. Um, so, so what's your question, your question again? Just I was sort of asking about um, uh, about overcommitment and yes. how, if, I, if I'm and in a place of overcommitment, how do I yeah. graciously well, well, deal with that? Well, the first step is, is recognizing it. As always, it's always a step of recognizing it and begin to see what are the places that I can begin to make sure. You know, it's, it's a bit like if you've got, say, credit card debt. Now, if you don't know how much credit card debt you've got, you don't know how to deal with it. So you've got to th- literally think, well, what are all the things I'm saying I'm committed to? And then decide, is this actually physically possible, in, even in one lifetime? Yeah. Okay. And then it's saying, well, where, what are my responsibilities at the moment? Um, you know, so obviously, if you're a Christ follower, obviously, God has to come first. And then if you're married with children, your family relationships, your work commitments, church commitments, and, you know, what, are, what in this particular season of life am I called to do? And I'm, so it, it is looking at that, you know, quite coolly and unemotionally you know, as detached as you can maybe with 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 a friend or a mentor or someone like that mm. it feels like there is an element of uh kind of i suppose feeling within society but i think it's particularly prevalent within the nhs of looking at systems that are inherently unhelpful for people that that we we work very much in a culture which almost emphasizes and and may i say in some regards even glorifies burnout how, how do we manage the idea of saying to people yes you know there are important steps to becoming more resilient but also not shaming people who generally have just been pushed beyond what they can endure so how do we create your environment this you're talking about culture change here james essentially yeah how do we become that kind of cultural architect <laughs> yeah for that? well it, at the beginning it has to start with individual modeling mm-hmm. so we have to start with ourselves because i mean changing whole stru- structures and the nhs is a pretty tall task no one can do that by themselves it's podcasts like this raising awareness um i think i'm sure you say you know james and you know finding like-minded people who share the same values and you can see that um and seeking god's wisdom on that i mean that, that, but it, it, it isn't something that can happen happen overnight it's going to be it's, it's a drip drip effect um somebody's done some really good work um and who's using who's this a slightly different terminology but he's going in the same direction is somebody called um uh, michael west of lancaster university and he's done a lot of work on employee engagement within the NHS. And what he's discovered, which isn't rocket science at all, but he's been able to prove it empirically, is that the more engaged and happy staff are, the better patient outcomes you get. You get reduced mortality, reduced sickness rates, um, you know, uh, better outcomes, all from staff being more engaged with their, with their work. And the subtle shift he's made, which again is not rocket science, but is actually quite a radical thing to say, is actually the patient is not at the centre of the NHS. It's actually the, it's, it's actually the employees, it's the doctors and nurses and the frontline clinical staff who are at the centre. Because think about it, if that, if that um, clinician, doctor, nurse, whoever, uh, allied professional, whoever, if they're feeling angry and bitter and frustrated with their managers or their bosses or their work environment, what kind of service do you think they're going to provide to, to, to the patient? Okay. Gosh, yeah, absolutely. Are they going to, I mean, it's not rocket science. No. And yet the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. And he's been able to prove that empirically. Yeah. And that's, I think, there are seeds which are actually beginning to sprout that are beginning to challenge 
this sort of very strong blame culture within the NHS, this, this strong sense of just keep going, going, produce activity for the sake of activity, um, saying, well, hold on, what are we actually trying to do and what are we trying to achieve? So there is sign of progress, but, it, 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 but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. So now, do you think that um, as we come to a close, is there a, a particular take-home message you'd like people to, to take away from this or something particularly that you could say we can, we can take away into our next few weeks and months? Wow, that's a huge question to ask, but but really important question. Um, I think it's great that we're raising this awareness of burnout. I think you've got to find find a safe place within which to talk about it, because unfortunately, we've got to be realistic that the culture around us is not sensitive to that. Mm. You know, you know, people say we don't do stress around here, but again, you know, there are there are moves afoot. You know, they're, they're talking about mental health well-being officers within trusts. They're talking about we're talking about resilience. Unfortunately. The, 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 maybe the, the right words are used, but underneath it are very similar attitudes. So go on a resilient seminar and get yourself sorted out, and then we'll just come back and come back to the job and just do, do the job you're paid for. Yeah, uh, it's going to need much, um, much more critical thinking, much more uh, deeper reflection, much more cultural change within within the NHS. So I think I'd say find safe people and safe places within which to to talk about it and sh- talk about it, these these vulnerable issues because if you don't well there's obviously going to be damage to you but if you share it in the wrong place um it could be certainly used in evidence against you so i think mm-hmm. you should be very careful about that's what i'd say okay um, but but i don't want to say that in, in in a negative way i'm just saying saying that in a realistic way because there are signs of, of real awareness understanding about how important a subject this is mm. and that that i suppose that responsibility to to change almost that cultural architecture that that res- lies with each one of us doesn't it yeah to, and that's to and we have seen you know we, you know we are in, in 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 changing times a lot of things are changing and you know within within nhs you know it, it's it's not a bottomless pit of finances and some tough decisions have to be made about where the nhs is going um and it you know we need to be involved with that and um hopefully make decisions that really can promote health as it were a national health service not just a national sickness service like that and finally whereabouts can people go if they've been listening and said i find this really interesting whereabouts can we go for more information yeah so i do a blog at drsunil.com um and a lot of the stuff there is um i do talk about and on the making sense of life podcast we've uh, i can particularly encourage people to look at uh, uh, podcast 27 that's on burnout uh, resilience that's podcast 13 and stress uh, podcast three so that's a making sense of life on itunes uh, is a podcast and uh, yeah i think you, you, we could expand on a lot of those subjects a lot more there and the drsunil.com web, website fantastic well make sure that you're sure to check all of those things out Sunil, thank you so much for joining me on the show i'm really grateful uh and thank for you. everyone else i hope you have enjoyed listening and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks thanks very much and god bless bye-bye